Webster's Dictionary defines a hero as a person who is admired for great or brave acts or fine qualities. So today's first reading from the second book of Maccabees shows us what a hero looks like, not in theory, but in reality. I'd like to set the stage so that you can understand what's happening in that first reading from Maccabees. So about 170 years before Christ came to earth, there was a civil war in Judea and Jerusalem. And the war was really started in large part by priests, by corrupt priests, who were more concerned about power than spreading the faith. And the internal fighting that ensued caught the attention of the occupying emperor, Epiphanes, who's interestingly enough, his name means manifestation of God. So it wasn't uncommon, as I'm sure you know, for emperors at that time to think of themselves as sort of these demigods or semi-divine beings. But we know in reality, he was not divine at all. He was a narcissist and he had deep insecurities. And that's why he he had the need to dominate others, to make himself feel like he was something better than he was. Dominating others made him feel important and powerful. One of the characteristics of a narcissist is that they also think that everything has to do with them. And that was the case with Epiphanes, this emperor. Thinking, seeing that the civil strife was going on in Judea and Jerusalem, he thought, well, clearly they're revolting against me. They weren't. They were revolting against the corrupt priests. So what does he decide to do? Attack. Immediately attack. He massacred thousands of Jews. He outlawed the practice of the Jewish faith. And he forced all Jews to accept his pagan Greek religion. Under him, anyone who read the scriptures, anyone who observed the Sabbath, anyone who circumcised children, executed. Men, women, children, indiscriminate. And one of the ways that Epiphanes tested the Jews to see if they really renounced their faith was to force them to eat pork, which as we heard in the first reading was forbidden by the Jewish law. And that's where our reading this morning picked up. A mother and her seven sons were arrested by this evil regime and they were forced to eat pork so as to renounce the one true God. But to the amazement of all of those in power, including the torturers, that mom and her seven sons all refused. They all said that they would rather die than offend God, that they would rather die than break one of his laws. They showed tremendous faith knowing that even if they're executed, there's the resurrection to look forward to. And remember, this is 170 years before Christ came. There was always that understanding of the afterlife. And so their allegiance was to the true God, not the emperor whose name meant manifestation of God. One by one, then, the executioners tortured and killed the sons. The mother was last. She had to watch as every one of her sons was brutally murdered. This is not a fictitious story. This happened. As her last son was about to be slowly tortured, 
the mom gave one of the most powerful speeches ever recorded in human history. This is what she said to her scared son. And I quote, My son, I carried you nine months in my womb and nursed you for three years, and I have reared you and brought you up to this point in your life and have taken care of you. I beg you, my child, to look at the heavens and the earth and see everything that is in them and recognize that God did not make them out of things that existed. So do not fear this butcher, but prove worthy of your brothers. Accept death, so that in God's mercy, I may get you back again with your brothers. This woman believed in the resurrection. This woman had a supernatural outlook on life. She knew that if she and her sons were faithful, that they would be reunited with God for all of eternity in heaven. And after she spoke those words, her last son was killed before her eyes. And then she too was killed. They're all martyrs. They're still to this day, some 2200 years after their death, inspiring us to live the faith. They're all living now in heaven for all of eternity. They are heroes. And you know what? You and I are called to be heroes too. I pray that none of us will have to suffer a martyr's death, like that mom and her seven sons did. But we are all called to put God first in this world, no matter what. No matter what society says, no matter what governments say, no matter what our families say, no matter what Hollywood has to say. God made us. He created us, including our immortal soul. And he's calling us to be with him for all of eternity in heaven. And you know what? No one else but God is going to judge us when we die. No one else is going to offer us eternal life. Only him. So I was thinking, like, who are some of our modern day heroes? This is not an exhaustive list. It's the college students who get involved with their Newman Center on campus and they help each other and they walk with each other to live the faith when most of their peers are not. It's the engaged couple who's living apart until they're married, remaining chaste, despite the snickering and the talking behind their backs from all their co-workers and so-called friends. It's the woman who made a mistake and got pregnant and who then resists the pressures of her boyfriend and her co-workers and maybe even her parents to terminate that pregnancy. Or it's the woman who did terminate the pregnancy and later repented and now stands up for life. It's the bishop who pre preaches the fullness of the truth with clarity and with charity when many, in his, many of his brothers will not. But he does so because he wants his people to get to heaven. It's the person living with stage four cancer who offers up their fear and their discomfort for their family's conversion. And he uses their time on earth to foster reconciliation and healing within their family. It's the man or the woman who suffers with same-sex attraction and who refuses to be defined by their attractions, remains true to God, and who encourages others to do so as well.
It's the person who's been away from the sacrament of confession for 30 years and finally comes back so that they can live in harmony with God for the rest of their years. It's the businessman or businesswoman who comes to Mass on their lunch break to intercede for their family and their co-workers, the city and the world. It's the dad and the mom who will not allow their kids to miss Sunday Mass in a day and an age that puts sports and activities and everything else as the God which they worship. It's the young person who is open to a religious or priestly vocation in a time in the church's history when it seems nothing can get any worse. And yes, it is the men and women in Syria, in Iraq, parts of Nigeria and other places in the world where extremists round them up and with a gun pointed to their head say, renounce Jesus or die. And they look at them and they say, I will never renounce Jesus. They choose life with a capital L over life with a lowercase l. All of these men and women, and so many more, have a supernatural outlook on life. They know that by being faithful to God in his commandments, even when it's not popular, they will inherit eternal life, that the resurrection is real. So Webster's defines a hero as a person who is admired for great or brave acts or fine qualities. I say that a true hero loves God and follows him, no matter what. A hero is one who lives now so as to inherit heaven later. That is a hero. And our church and our world needs us to be heroes.